didn't see you there. Would you guys like to set sail on this ocean of flavor with me? I'll be your captain. I'm Steve Harrington. And I'm Colin. And I'm Whitney. And this is Scoops Ahoy, a Stranger Things podcast, where we go week by week, chapter by chapter, looking at every single episode of Stranger Things. We started with season one. We've now made it all the way to season three. And we are on chapter two, The Mall Rats. And Colin is here with your summary. The second chapter of Stranger Things 3, titled The Mall Rats, debuted on Netflix on July 4th, 2019. It was written and directed by the Duffer Brothers and has a runtime of 50 minutes and 23 seconds. We're still on the night of Saturday, June 29th, as Billy runs out of the Brimborn Steelworks and calls 911. Mid-call, he flashes into the Upside Down and sees a group of people, including himself, walking toward him. The next day, Sunday, June 30th, Elle calls Mike, curious as to why he's blowing her off, and he, immediately after telling her that friends don't lie, lies about his healthy nana. Hopper is ecstatic in his anti-Mike plan working and drives to Melvold's, where he tells Joyce all about it and asks her to a non-date dinner. Just then, he's called to town hall about a protest happening outside. Joyce has issues of her own. More magnets lost their sticky. Over at the Hawkins Post, Nancy feigns girl problems and runs off with Jonathan to beat with the woman who called about the rats in her basement. While at Scoops Ahoy, Dustin reunites with Steve and tells him about the secret Russian message. Eleven goes to Max's house for some girl advice about Mike and they head to the mall. Mike, meanwhile, is trying to salvage things by getting advice from Lucas. And poor Will just wants to play some D&D. Over at the pool, Billy's not looking too good. Karen apologizes to him in the supply closet, but he blows her off, but not without having a vision of slamming her head into a shelf. Steve and Dustin are trying to translate the Russian message, but it's not going too well until the multilingual Robin swoops in to help. Things also aren't going well with Nancy and Jonathan, who can't understand why rats are eating bags of fertilizer in old Miss Driscoll's basement. As they leave, a rat Mrs. Driscoll caught explodes and then, ooh, scurries across the floor. We then meet Hawkins Mayor Larry Klein, who urges Hopper to arrest the protesters upset at the mall shutting down local businesses. Speaking of the mall, Eleven and Max go shopping there, separately from Mike, Lucas, and Will. They all end up tripping on each other, though, at which point Mike continues lying, so Elle dumps his ass. Back at the pool, Billy's bad day continues as he collapses in the shower and then kidnaps lifeguard Heather. Hopper's also having a bad day, despite his new shirt. He's getting stood up by Joyce, who is spending the evening with Mr. Clark, learning about electromagnets. Dustin, Steve, and Robin finish the translation, and then Steve realizes that the message came from inside the mall, when he recognizes the music in the background came from the mechanical horsey in the food court. Late that night, Billy arrives back at the steelworks and sacrifices Heather to the shadow monster god of goo. The end of chapter two. There's a lot. A lot going on. A lot going on in this episode. Yeah, it's kind of all over the place. And you got like five or six different storylines happening and it's all really good. And we're all leading up to the end of season three, which I love. I think that's a lot of people's problems though with season three. I was Yeah, every, everybody's kind of splintered again. You know, it was kind of like in the first season how everybody was kind of off on their own little island and doing their own little thing. And, mm-hmm. and you know, well, and I, I think um, like season three is not like particularly well liked by a lot of fans. Yeah, I think the expectations were kind of, you know, kind of starting to get the better of the duffers. Do you want to you want to do homework before we? Oh, yeah. Let's do some homework. All right. Are you ready for your homework? You're late again. I had to get catch up homework. I'll pretend I am. Sure. (laughs) Okay. Uh, I did these in these might be in reverse order of how they happen in this in the episode. Because that's going to that's going to throw me all off. So I get bonus points. Okay. Because I I watched it and then I went back through and looked at all the different scenes to find questions. Watched it in reverse to find questions. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Number one, how many boxes of Mr. T cereal were on the shelf in Melville's? Ah, God, because I looked at that too, because that'll come up later in this episode. Um, I mean, it's hard to tell how many like actual boxes there were, but I think there were like three or four four facing boxes right i mean there were there was a bunch of them on the shelf i'll go with four i'll fight four okay that's your final answer sure okay you are correct there were four but only two of them were facing because they only took up like one tiny spot in on the shelf and it was like two and two Okay. okay 
Yes, I couldn't. The other one was, I believe, Honey Smacks. But there was only like one box of it. Oh, okay. Okay. Number two, what were Eleven and Max's ice cream orders? Oh, man. I'm, I have no idea, but I know they, they switched halfway yeah, through. Yeah, I would even end. give it to you if you just guessed. Like, if you don't even have to know who got what. I thought guessed. one one kind of looked like a like a like a cherry chip or a chocolate chip or something. They both looked they were both like vanilla based. I mean, they both were white. So I'll I'll just say chocolate chip and 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 cherry. Nope. Max ordered strawberry. Eleven ordered. I almost said strawberry. Eleven ordered vanilla with extra whipped cream and sprinkles. Oh, poop. Okay. Yep. Okay, number three. How many books does Joyce bring to Mr. Clark's house? Oh, see, now this is okay. See, I see where you're getting at with the whole where in the world is is and me like driving you nuts for weeks because how am I going to want me to? I don't know what it's either. If I go by like other questions, they're so easy, Um, and you will get every single one. I will say, I will say seven or eight. I will say seven. You're so close. It was eight. Oh man, come on. It was eight. Okay. Okay. You're going to be rolling this next one. <laughs> what SPF is Jill's Hawaiian Tropic? Okay. That's the one that the woman had 15. Nope. No. That was, I don't know her name. That that's the woman the one who the says, hey, will you get my yeah. back? Yeah. Okay. Jill was actually the woman who. Karen asks to keep an eye on Holly Holly, yeah, and hers was just four. Oh man. Yeah. I got the 15 part though. Yes. I almost went with that. And I was like, no, he's going to look at that. I know. (laughs) I thought you were going to ask me what time Elle um, said it was when she, when Mike called or when she called Mike, because it was nine, nine 32, nine 32. No, I didn't. I I look, I've been looking for visual clues. That's good. Okay. All right, so let's start right in with Billy. We get the gratuitous jump scare to start off the episode. What jump uh, scare? The uh, when it, it's like everything's all quiet, and all of a sudden, like Billy bursts out. You know, it's just it's just. Oh, like, I've become really so quiet. immune. I know. <laughs> and then and then he sees himself, which which is which <laughs> is kind of interesting. So. And we talked about this last week and I actually want to talk about it, but I don't know if you want to do it now, or if you want to do it later regarding the mind flare. Yep. So do you think that the mind flare is making Billy see these images? Like he's sending these images to his head. Yes. I mean, obviously, I mean, yes, obviously they're not all there, but right. then it was, it's weird that there's other people in that group. It wasn't all just a bunch of Billy's. No, but we don't see who the other people are. They're just kind of shadowy kind of, you know, okay. people. I mean, obviously, spoiler alert, later in the ep- later later in the season, we see more people that we actually recognize. Right. But I mean, this, I think, yeah, because he flipped into the upside down kind of, you know, when he was making the 911 call. So everything got kind yeah, of upside see, down. Yeah, I, I, and, and I don't think that they're... It's real evident that he's in the upside down. It's almost like he's having this vision or he's passed out and he's dreaming or I didn't feel like it was very evident that he was in the upside down. No. And, and again, I mean, we, we keep talking about this every week. I mean, how we, we just don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't so, know, you know which actually on. brings me to my point. I was scrolling. I don't know if I don't think you're a big Reddit user. Are you You've been on Reddit a lot? I, I have been lately, like yeah researching stranger things but yeah so there's a subreddit called hawkins av club and they have some of the best theories they just go into like so much detail and it really feels like their mods know what they're talking about it's more it's not that there's anything wrong with the other stranger things sub it's good but this one's more focused it seems like on like the theories or whatever but anyways Mm -hmm. someone asked and the topic of the post was explaining the mind flare. And they said, I still don't understand why the mind flare needed the rats or Billy. Was it just so they could collapse into like piles of jelly and make it bigger? Was it weakened at the end of stranger things too? It just seems like it was super powerful as the shadow monster. So I don't really know why it couldn't just take over the people of Hawkins without the help of Billy, which 
we had already discussed, like, I don't know why it needs Billy. I mean, I didn't really even know why he needed Will last season. Right. Like that's, and then I think a lot of it too, we were confused about like, and this goes back to the end of our season two, when we were confused on why the mind or the shadow monster or mind flare, whatever you want to call it was still there hovering over, you know, Hawkins middle. Right. So, so. but it did have some, the, some people answered and it did have some interesting answers and it does make sense. Someone said the gate was sealed, leaving just the portion that possessed will in Hawkins cut off from its body. It needed a physical host to possess. The rats were the starting point to create a modest sized vessel. And Billy was the first flayed test subject. Yeah. But I mean, at the same time, I mean, Billy doesn't become goo. I mean, right. I don't know. Why doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. But no, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Cause I mean, it's just, you know, it's just never explained. And, you know, even if the, you know, Duffers had like written an article or <laughs> a book or right. a, a chapter, or, you know, if they had done like a, you know, I really liked Beyond Stranger Things when they did that on Netflix for season two, but it was all kind of behind the scenesy kind of stuff. And gee, Sadie, mm-hmm. did not you have like fun working the- with Baker and gee, you know, Dustin wasn't it fun to, you know, have teeth, you know, what, I mean, it was just silly stuff, you know, you know, so, I mean, it would have been good if, you know, they had, you know, said, Hey, let's dig into the mind flayer a little bit here. So we can understand. I know. So someone else said, Billy is left separate from the main host body because he's serving other purposes throughout the season. Eventually the mind flayer becomes powerful enough that it can flay a bunch of humans at once without Billy's help. But early on Billy's kidnapping and helping you know, he's like recruiting people for the mind flare. I mean, I do like the theory that he was kind of cut off from his body and he needed a host. I mean, that makes as much sense as anything. Mm-hmm. Well, it's still like, I'm just hoping for future seasons, you know, seasons four and five, they give us a more in-depth look at the upside down and the creatures within it. Cause I need to know, I need to know right. is the mind flare, the ruler of the Demogorgons? Is that like, does it just, is it like one of the, like, say, like the mind flayer is a person and the demodogs or demogorgons are animals in the upside right. down? And I mean, that's a, we could we could sit and talk about this all day because there's no right answer. I mean, it's not mm-hmm. like it's not like somebody's going to, you know, write in and say, well, I know. <laughs> you know, for you sure. don't know. You don't know. Maybe one of the Duffer brothers is going to hear this and say, I can help you guys. <laughs> that would be very good. Matt Ross. Yeah. You. Yeah. On. Hit us up. So throw us a bone here. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's get back to the pool. Well, we get Karen getting ready for the pool, and then Karen showing Karen showing up at the pool with her heels. Karen is ready for a beauty pageant. <laughs> That's exactly. She's, she needed a sash, and she would have been out of beauty pageant with the heels in her. And I'm, yeah. I feel like her bathing suit wasn't even a bathing suit. It was more of like a workout leotard. It had a belt. Yeah, yeah. it was. It was a fashion bathing suit, obviously. Yeah, so. Um, but how about the scene where he knocks her into the shelf? That was almost my stranger. My almost stranger mine thing. too. Yeah. I remember when I, I say that every episode. I remember when I, yeah. 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 I yeah no, it. that was, that was, that was crazy. Yeah. It, that was, I mean, it was, it was like kind of so out of nowhere. You just kind of expected him to, you know, yell at her or well, say and something I think, mean or whatever, but yeah. I think we were all on edge too with who's going to die. Like somebody has to die this season. Like right. one of the main characters has to die. So, I mean, and I feel like Karen's a pretty prominent part. Yeah, that, that certainly would have made sense. So, yeah. But so he's got the, uh, he's got the kind of the blistering sores going on. Ugh. He can't go out in the sunlight. He's, you know what? He's got but the no black vein what, thing going. Yeah. He's still rocking that real thin mustache. Though. Yeah. And the mullet, the mullet too. Hate it. Oh, come on now. No, hate it. It's <laughs> terrible. I just want to shave it off his lip. So then we get the whole thing with unidentified lifeguard named Heather. <laughs> they can't do it. They, they, she hasn't been named Heather yet. <laughs> she's in the credits as being Heather. Oh, really? Yeah, she's never called Heather in this episode. The, oh, see, I thought the nope. The I know it's like called her that. It's like the Mandela effect. It's kind of you know. Yeah. So yeah, nobody knew who no, she was. No, but she is. She is Heather. So. <laughs> All right. Well, people who haven't Heather. seen it and wondering who we're talking about with Heather, but yeah. She does get named eventually, but um, yeah, yeah. So right now she's Heather. Okay, so let's back up to, um, I like, I, I love the whole scene with Mike and Elle in the phone call and oh Karen listening in. 
I particularly, well, first, right off the bat, I gotta, I gotta give credit and we'll talk about her a little bit more later. Uh, the costume designer, Amy Paris, uh, for what she put Mike in, in this episode. <laughs> with the, with what? Is the short sleeve button down shirt tucked into like gym shorts. And <laughs> he is plus Finn Wolfhard's heart. He is right at that age where you are just all like legs and arms, like just gangly, gangly and lanky. And yeah, it's just such, <laughs> that, it's such a weird look. <laughs> oh yeah. And the way he stands a lot of times. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, it's yeah it was, I'm like, do they, are, was, was somebody mad at Mike? <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's all a practical joke. Was somebody it? mad at Finn Wolfhard? He wasn't in on it. Um, but then he's like, friends don't lie. And then immediately lies. Yes. And says, what, mom? What? <laughs> this storyline does kind of annoy me that he won't tell her because he's afraid of Hopper. Yeah, I, and I it, agree. It's and and like, that's one of my biggest pet peeves in any movie and any TV show. Mm-hmm, is, same. Is things that could have been avoided by a very simple conversation. Conversation. Yep. Yeah. So, um, yeah. but I also like the <laughs> the fact that Karen was listening in on the phone call. He's like, mom, how many times? <laughs> like it happens all the time and i'm sure it does happen all the time absolutely oh yeah like he's just what nana's sick (laughs) just karen being so imagine hearing that how many times (laughs) (laughs) oh gosh that's really funny yeah all right so let's get the let's get the nancy jonathan driscoll rat storyline out of the way because that was yeah nasty yeah um i love mrs driscoll she's just a, a doll i do too with the, the fresh squeeze lemonade and all that kind of stuff and i really like nancy's girl problems with tom oh uh, he he is horrified and, <laughs> and he's saying and he's just such a like a misogynistic womanizer oh. just kind of you know jackass and he just mm-hmm. you know he just can't handle anything he can call her no. sweetheart all day long no nope, but, but not can't, can't tell them the fact about... that she has girl problems right and then we get the uh, the rat in the cage bouncing. I had off the to walls. fast forward it. It made me sad. Yeah, I don't. Even, I don't even watch it. Yeah, it's just it's just really nasty to see them explode. And then when it explodes and then it slithers out and then it scurries across the floor because it kind of looks like a like an oh, animal kind of. It. Looks, kinda. it oh, looks, I mean, it looks like dart. You know, inside out. Yeah, like dart inside out yeah. or something. Yeah. It was uh, okay. So let's get past. Okay, so let's go. Let's go on to who will become known as the scoops troop in episode eight, but in the first, we're, we're going to call him the scoops troop in the meantime, mm-hmm. because, because we're scoops ahoy, a stranger things podcast. And yeah, like they are my favorite. Oh, I don't think we would have named our podcast that had they not. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Been my favorite group. Yeah. So Robin and Steve, well, first of all, Dustin comes home to, to his, to his big buddy, Steve. Yes. Um, which I love just, their friendship so which, much. It's just great. And of course, Robin is just like, really? <laughs> more children she is just such a good like she is so good at pulling off that dry just you are so stupid you she just has to give steve a look like yeah. that he is just an idiot yeah and i love the uh the pig latin she throws at them and and, and they both oh yeah they both look like it's like fluent russian i mean they're, both they're like, like oh yeah like justin goes oh shit yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, it's I love great. her line. My ears are tiny little geniuses. Yes. <laughs> it's just really good. Mm-hmm. And, and then we get the, the, I mean, we'll jump ahead, but then we get the, the translated code. So the week is long, the silver cat feeds when blue beats yellow in the West. So that will all become clear very shortly, but in the mm-hmm. meantime, uh, and then we end with the horsey ride. The Indiana flyer. Yeah. Which I also thought you were going to ask me, but you didn't. Uh, in my That's too easy. Well, you could throw me one easy one. No, you always get them. So <laughs> many, no. How many freaking books is Joyce holding? <laughs> okay, so we're in the mall. Let's let's um well first uh Max and L um bond. Um and I so I guess you know things have smoothed over from eight months earlier when Well, Max is shocked when she walks up. She's kind of like Yeah. She steps back, like, are you gonna hurt me? But you gotta think somewhere in the past eight months they would have said talked. Well, no, because I guess Elle's been kind of locked in her, you know, alone solitude. But in the first episode, they say it's been like this all summer. Yeah. So, I mean, they were out and about. I guess so. Um, I also get a huge kick out of Will just wanting to play Dungeons and Dragons. I almost asked you how many times did he ask, can we play Dungeons and Dragons now? 17, 18, 19. (laughs) 
Uh, I didn't but, actually count, but I was but, like, maybe I should when, go back. When Mike and Lucas go upstairs uh, and Will's just sitting there, he's like, guys. Guys? <laughs> guys. You know, we talk about great. the costume designers maybe like not liking Finn Wolfhard. Who hates Will? Who hates Noah Schnapp enough to keep giving him that haircut? Yeah. Well, Mike's haircut, I would I would wager is a little bit worse <laughs> in this episode. No. Yeah, I do not bad. think so. I mean, it's oh, bad, but it's bad. Well, Wills I was going to actually like... had a note in here to talk about the costumes and, and Amy Paris, who's the costume designer. I'll, I'll include a link. There's a article. I mean, there's a couple articles about um, her, um, but E! Online uh, did a whole thing with her going through pretty much all the costumes from season three. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, you know, everybody's individual looks and what they were based on and stuff. So I, w- I won't go into a lot of detail on it here, but or any detail on it here, but uh, I will, I'll include a link so you can, um, you can read it, but, but she, like, did she base it on their characters or something kind of like, like their attitudes or Amy said, uh, when it's period, you want it to be so authentic. And so there's always the opportunity to find something that is vintage versus something that's new. So you always kind of strive to find the right thing as opposed to just going to the mall and finding something that could pass. So the process is time consuming and it's a lot of hours, but it's so rewarding and I wouldn't change the process for anything. It's worth it. It's so worth it. And a lot of the things um, were actually made from scratch as opposed to kind of dug up and vintage. Um, They said, we found a fabric kind of buried in an old fabric shop in Los Angeles and bought the rest of their yardage yardage and made all the shirts for Hopper's, you know, Hopper's. uh, Mm -hmm. And they said five different shirts had to be made due to all the various levels of distress Hopper and a shirt go through during the season. So yeah. um, (laughs) Um, there's definitely a moment that we knew we could run out of fabric, but luckily we didn't. So, but I'll include a link to the article. It's really, it's really, I feel like that's probably a really fun job. Oh, I would think, yeah, that. And I think like the set design and props and that kind of stuff would be just so super fun. To I don't think that, I don't think I would enjoy that as much as just figuring out what they would wear and like the whole, where it feels really rewarding to find something. I bet it is like to find something you're like, yes, that actually looks super authentic yeah and it doesn't look like we're trying to be you know right well, I, mean, I, was, I was looking up um dustin's shirt the pack cat shirt that he has on when he's talking to steve and mm-hmm. steve Ahoy. and and so i'm like searching i mean i did a whole like google search for it and i can't find anything for it other than you know you can buy versions of it now that were made because of the show because of the of the tv show yeah, yeah but i think i think it was something that they just created i mean they just uh, they did talk in that article a little bit about some of the graphic designs that they did make. They didn't mention that one specifically, but. Um, Do you think they just sit and look at old pictures of people from the eighties? Well, yeah, that, I mean, that is what they did with this camp nowhere stuff because they had to come up with that on their own. So his t-shirt um, from the last episode mm-hmm. and the hat, and he's still wearing the hat in this episode. Those were all made from scratch. Those weren't, you know. Yeah. But I'm just movie. saying like, do you think they just sit and look. Yeah, I'm sure archive yeah. photos of just you yeah. know yeah I'm sure they um I'm sure you know you can kind of like find some old you know commercials for various malls or you know I mean even just like looking at commercials or something like a McDonald's commercial from 1983 oh and, yeah and kids are jumping up and down let's go get McDonald's mommy you know whatever the kids are wearing you know is from that <laughs> from like that there's a lot thing, of stripes so. yeah but I love the uh, I love the gap scene with um, L and Max and all the costumes that they go through, and that I really love the flash photo, or the the photo booth glamour scene. shots, glamour shots scene. Yeah, they actually said they couldn't use glamour shots because it hadn't been invented yet, so they had to make up their. I own know. Thing. I yeah. thought that because I used to. I still have a photo. Yeah. That I dug up of me doing glamour shots, but it was definitely like 1991. Yeah, they were um, they were all excited to put glamour shots in, and somebody called them on it. I don't know, like one of the production people, and said, "Well, where were these people with all the others?" I know, right? That they get right, sure. (laughs) So actually, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, and then we get Material Girl, which I thought was just a great, um, just a great bit of music to to put in there. Okay, Um, so you say that, and I I love a montage. I love it. You can spice up any movie, in my opinion, with the montage, but. Back to why I think that a lot of people did not like this season as much is because it was so different. And if you, this was a very different scene. The actors were just 
it was more goofy and lighthearted. Oh, it, like, it was like straight out of Sweet Valley High or something, right? I mean, it was just like yeah, and and just Mike, just the Finn Wolfhard's like overreaction where he just grabs his head, like when he's when they're talking about L. Like I was just noticing in this well, episode. Yeah, I mean, I noticed that uh, at the beginning of the mall shots, they had that. The, the hot dog on a stick montage where they had the hot dog and then they dipped it in the batter and then they put it in the fryer and yeah I'm and, just... and then they had the guys at orange julius tossing the mm-hmm. orange to each other and mm-hmm. stuff i'm like really i mean it just it just seemed well but i'm talking about like even like and you know i love this series obviously but it was a little cheesy now i love it but it was very corny, like L, like trying to walk in the heels and falling down, and like they're yeah. giggling and like the slow motion, like of Max, like lowering her sunglasses. Yeah, well, or I mean, even the even the quick scene with um, Mike trying to buy the teddy bear. Yeah, and they're like coming out, and him getting yeah. like sprayed in the face with the perfume, and yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just it is it's it is very different, but you know, rest assured, <laughs> things do take a turn, and back what i'm saying i think honestly this is a big part of why i always think of season three as like a more lighthearted and playful season well i mean episode eight particularly and we get when we get there we'll be like dancing around and like little gleeful school kids but yeah i mean yeah it, it's just because it, I mean, the highlights i think are so high i mean the i mean mm-hmm, the things yes. you think of because you think of the mall that's a good even, way to put it even if you watched even if you haven't watched it since you know july of 2019 you think of the mall mm-hmm. you think of the last scene or the well the, the kind of the yeah big scene in, in episode eight um you know you think of those kind of things you think of all the the stuff with the russians that we'll get sooner you know later on and i i honestly like when you tell me when i think of season three like I automatically think of like the bright colors, like yellow and like yeah, yeah. Elle's outfit and yeah. just the neon lights of Starcourt Mall, like things like that. Yeah. It's just. And season one was so brown. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And orange. Season two wasn't much better. No, I know. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I did want to mention, I love the fact that Esprit and Taco Bell were both coming soon to the Starcourt Mall. I wanted to mention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then um, L dumps his ass, which I thought was, which was good. Oh, we we did kind of, I didn't even mention how Lucas <laughs> has been dumped five times by Max. Yeah. And I've won her back every freaking every time. Freaking time. <laughs> yeah. Lucas quickly like skyrockets to one of my favorite characters this season. Yeah. Yeah. He's really good. So, all right. So let's wrap things up, you know, kind of chit chat wise with the Hopper and Joyce uh, mm-hmm. stuff. Um, I love the callback to you don't mess around with Jim. Oh my gosh. Um, yes. Although, I mean, it's not on the level of every breath you take, but if everybody actually listened to the lyrics of that song, things don't really end well for Jim. So that's oh, no, but they do will end well for slim. They do. Yes. Yeah, slim, slim makes out nicely, but Jim, Jim does <laughs> Jim, not, Jim does not. Good point. So. Okay, so let, let I want to we'll kind of blow through this, and I want to come back to a bigger point that we can argue about. Um, <laughs> we we meet uh, Carrie Elwes as the mayor, mm-hmm. uh, which I thought was great. Um, I'm trying he to. He plays somebody... a very good smarmy. Oh, he's bad just such guy. a good sleazeball bad guy. Yeah, which is so funny because you know. Oh yeah, because he's uh, if you know Wesley. nothing about him, he's like Princess Bride. I mean, that, yeah, and that's, yeah. Um, and then they have the protests of all the people out front. You know. Um, and they didn't have the permit, but they were, you know, arguing, you know, mm-hmm. protesting the fact that all the, the jobs were lost. I, I, I kind of wavered back and forth on that, that quick shot outside of Melville's and, and the wind was blowing. You could hear the wind. Blowing. It sounded like I was waiting for, I was going to bring this up. I was waiting for a tumbleweed to just yeah. blow across the street. <laughs> a lone gunfighter comes out yes. of the saloon. And you hear yeah. Spurs clink. Them. It made me laugh that they did that wind like yeah. blowing that sound, the whistle. <laughs> that was kind of funny. And then Joyce uh, with the with the books, uh, you'd already talked about those in the homework, but I, I did love that she kind of dove right into Electra. I was Nightmare, kind of like, so. what would you even look up? Yeah. And she's I mean, like, I guess she's like taking Google, notes obviously. and everything. I mean, I mean, I, I think if I cracked open one of those books, I'd be like, what? What? <laughs> she's like trying to do equations and. Yeah. But I was seriously like, what is she, what is she looking for? Like why magnets lose their. Yeah. What could cause, what could cause a magnet to, to lose its, you know. Magnetic. Stickiness. Whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we get to Enzo's and the poor date that never happened with um, Hopper and his, <sighs> his brand new Magnum PI shirt. 
Well, and I thought it was a it was a dick move of choice. Yeah, it was. I, I think you know she didn't want to do it in the first place, and then I think she just I think she completely I don't think she was malicious. I think she just no forgot about it. She got all tied up. You know, I did like the waiter though. He was he was good. The Chianti. <laughs> the Chianti. Oh, What's he very, called? Very good, sir. Yeah. <laughs> he says, "What is he called? Chianti." Chianti. Chianti. Yeah. Chianti. Yeah. Oh, we do need to mention motorcycle helmet guy because um, he will he will come back. Oh yes. Um, yes, he's always around. Say other than keep an eye on him, just like I said, keep an eye on the blue bracelet, keep an eye on helmet guy. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's talk about these magnets thing. If we're going on the theory that Joyce's magnets somehow don't have stickiness because there's some kind of big, huge electromagnetic pulse happening that is causing magnets to lose their power, are you why saying isn't, that other things should happen? Why, well, a every other magnet in the town would also be having the same problem. But then everything that runs on magnets, everything that has any kind of magnetic anything would not be working, including TVs, presumably, and, you know, other electronic devices and things like that. They use magnets? There's all kinds of magnets. Every time you have an electromagnetic pulse in like movies and stuff, everything like shuts down. So how come it's only Joyce's magnets that we're having this issue with? Why weren't Mr. Clark's magnets falling off the... Yeah, why couldn't he just go to her his refrigerator? She couldn't go to his refrigerator and say, "Hey, look, see." Yeah, Mr. Clark, see. Yeah, good point. Uh, Stop poking holes in this, okay? Okay, sorry. Okay, <laughs> that's it. That's it with my hole poking. Well, there's a little bit more hole poking later, but we'll get to that in the little things. So, <laughs> okay, I think that's it for the episode. Do you got anything else we want to talk about before we get into segments and stuff? No, I don't. We covered it. All right, so. Uh, Colin moment this week. I went back and forth between like two or three different things, but I finally landed on cereal um, because it's something that I had all the time as a kid, and I can't remember the last time I had a bowl of cereal. What? Yeah, I don't really do cereal much anymore. Oh my gosh, we eat cereal all the time. Now we'll go on kicks where we don't like eat it all, but but like when we go no on a cereal in, kick, no pun intended with kicks, right? No pun intended. Kicks. One of which we will talk about that is like one of the, I always wanted it as a kid because the commercials made it seem like it was the most fun cereal ever. And every every cereal is the most fun cereal ever. Well, but a lot of them, the payoff was Fruit Loops or or Fruity Pebbles. And it was actually, you know, a lot of sugar. Kix was not. Or Count Chocula. You know, anything that turns your milk a different color is good in my book. Oh, yeah. 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 Cocoa Puffs. So we saw uh, we saw the Mr. T cereal um, that came out in uh, 1984. It only lasted nine years. By 1993, it was gone off the shelves. But I'll post a link. I've, I found a, a old timey commercial for Mr. T cereal. It's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about making things look good. I'm not sure it made it look good. Oh yeah. <laughs> and then, well, first in the episode, we had uh, Hopper eating his honey snacks, and I thought for a minute, I'm like, wait a second. When I was a kid, they were sugar snacks. So then yeah. I did frantic web search. I'm like, when did it? And every article is like, in the 80s, it became Honey Smacks. Yes. Yes. But they, then I finally found one article that said in 1983, Sugar Smacks became but Honey I also, Smacks. But I also found an article that said 1985. Yeah. So you're wrong. <laughs> but I think I think it was 83. I think it was earlier in the 80s because that was kind of, it, it was at the same time that... Um, uh, what was that called? Super Sugar Crisp did the same thing and they became Super Golden Crisp. Oh, they're just Golden Crisp now, I think. Yeah, now they're just Golden Crisp. Yeah. They but, those were the two that tasted the same. But I'm 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 talking about the Sugar Smacks right now and they're they became Honey Smacks at 83. So I think that I think that tracks. So but I just I just I love cereal. I should get back to I mean I do have cereal sporadically. It's not like I haven't well, had cereal in 20 years. I mean I've had cereal in the past six There months. was a time when before we knew all about, you know, what was good for us to eat and bad for us, people were always screaming, part of a nutritious, or I forget what the saying was. It's part like of part a nutritious, of a, delicious, nutritious breakfast. No, it was like a whole, yeah, part of your nutritious, wholesome breakfast. I don't know. Yeah. It was something similar to that, but it was always. Well, it's because names. everything they put with it was delicious and nutritious. It was, it, it was, was always like an orange or a grapefruit, a glass of orange juice, it and was a glass a piece, of milk, a piece who of toast drinking... with some jam on it, and the, you know. Just, well, who is drinking milk and orange juice? Right. Nobody. Nobody. But the '80s were prime time for some of the best cereals that aren't around anymore. Like, oh god, I mean, there was an ET cereal. I mean, there mm-hmm. was. I mean, there was. I mean, anything that was popular became a cereal. I mean, obviously, 
Mr. T cereal is a prime example. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, there was there were cereals everywhere. I don't think I, I don't know if Cookie Crisp were around anymore. Loved those as a kid. Yeah. I think it went hand in hand too with with Saturday morning cartoons because you don't really have Saturday morning cartoons anymore. And I think the big thing was, I mean, I mean, God, how many cereal commercials did you see Saturday morning? Well, that's what you did. You woke up and you fixed a bowl of cereal and you put it on your. So that was, I mean, it was all cereal commercials, and you're sitting there watching Rainbow Bright TV tray and watched Saturday morning cartoons. That's what I did. Yeah. So. Just continuing to mourn for today's youth who don't experience, know. you know, really good cereals and good Saturday morning cartoons. But okay, so that, that all was right, Colin moment. Well, one thing we don't have to mourn though are the movies because they're still around. So, Colin, you want to go to the movies? We should be at the mall or like watching a movie or something. Let's do it. Okay, so as we know, Stranger Things, Duffer Brothers, love them some movie references. Who did you have in this or what did you have? I had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and ten and a half movies that were referenced yeah. in this one episode. One episode. Yeah. Yeah. So some of the big ones I had were Jaws, the protests, and yep. uh, you know, they're all outside protesting, you know, yep. which can all be blamed on the mayor, right? Who was named Larry Vaughn, and Hawkins and- mayor is Larry Klein. And I would just like to point out that the mayor from Jaws 1 is still the mayor in Jaws 2. Yeah, that was that was always a, a head scratcher. They're still, I mean, they're still be- believing like that there's no, like when Brody's like, there's a shark again. They're, yeah. Uh, the, everyone in the town's like, eh, not Select- this old. <laughs> Selective amnesia. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they're kind of dressed the same too. Like, I mean, the same kind of the shirt. Oh, they are. The, yeah, that kind of, you know. Yeah, rich. they it's actually a well no like it's a trope you can look it up on is it what's the website that has all the tropes is it just TV, tropes.com or tv, TV tropes. tropes tv tropes yeah yep. it's the mayor or there's like the jaws mayor trope is okay, one yeah <laughs> that's some bad hat harry <laughs> yeah some bad hat and then i had when i almost called him brody but hopper gets up and says i can do whatever i want I'm the chief of police oh yeah when as he's he, drunk at the restaurant as yep. he takes the yep. bottle of yep. chianti chianti yep um so i'll i'll pick up on the chianti um i don't think this is a reference intentionally it just reminded me of obviously silence of the lambs with you know chianti versus chianti i mean you can't oh yeah no you can't hear chianti these days without thinking silence of the lambs uh but then i also got a little bit of a silence of the lambs vibe from um (laughs) poor mr clark um the first shot we see from behind him when he's kind of huddled over the model Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, my baloney's playing. Um, it just it just kind of had like a Buffalo Bill vibe for me. Not that Mr. Clark is evil or anywhere no. near, but it was just it was just that same kind of look. It was kind of a slow zoom in, and he's kind of huddled over doing something. Buffalo Bill's you know making his little skin suit, but you know it was just kind of so very different things. Well, I actually I, that same scene or that same like part of the episode where he is standing in the in the garage as the garage yeah. door slowly rises it's like total space ball fights oh yeah when, when he's in there kind of, yeah yeah yep. when he's got the thing on his head before rick moranis's character takes his off dark yep. helmet uh and then oh the um the thing that like nobody knows about and you know it's kind of deep dive was the little beetlejuice headstone in um i Mr. know about it because yeah, i wrote an article about it <laughs> It's like, it's like one of the ones that nobody really caught because it's like yeah. really super quick. So anytime you look at a, you know, references in mall rats, nobody uh, ever catches that one. But yeah, in Mr. Clark's model, uh, they had a little homage to Winona Ryder uh, with the mm-hmm. Beetlejuice. Well, uh, Beetlejuice or cemetery. It, it's, it's directly under the magnet they're, that they're making. So if you go mm-hmm. back and watch it, you can see it. It's, it's real quick. So um, what else? So I had the um, alien, uh, the face sucker that hits Billy at the beginning in the in the little flashback he has of the face sucker. Um, you got all kinds of references to invasion of the body snatchers and the blob and evil dead and all that kind of stuff. Um, maybe the obvious Star Wars one when Steve and Dustin yeah. meet back up and have their little greeting. You got the back to the future clock on Mrs. Driscoll's wall, that little cat clock. Yep. Carrie Elwes, obviously, from The Princess Bride. Um, I mean, these aren't really influences, but they just kind of remind you of- Have they ever said that they did take inspiration from 1950s and 60s horror movies like The Blob and things like that? Because it's like hard, like it's very like obvious that the- Um, I've heard them mention The Thing, which isn't obviously old that old, 
Yeah. Um, they've mentioned the thing and the poster is still up down in, in uh, Mike's basement. I don't know if they've mentioned Invasion of the Body Snatchers specifically, but I mean, that's what this whole season is, is about, really. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a one big Invasion of the Body Snatchers storyline. So, yeah, I'll, I'll go back and I'll look through some articles, see if I can find something. Yeah, I was just curious. I think that's all I got for movies. That's enough, but yeah. Yeah, that's all I have for movies as well. Okay, do you have any little things? I do. Wait, did, did you see something? Yeah. What, what, did, what did you see? I uh, love... <laughs> I have two things. I love when Elle and Max are at the, or Skip's, or yeah, Skip's Hoy, ordering their ice cream. And Steve says, wait a second, are you supposed to be here? And they right. both just giggle, but yeah. it's just his look of confusion. And when he, as he walks away, he goes, okay. Like, it's just yeah. such a, that was weird. Like, yeah. okay. Yeah. Like, you know, like, <laughs> and my other thing was when they're walking out of the mall and Mike is holding his bike. And he just lets go. Oh, he drops. Yeah. Just he falls. just drops his bike. <laughs> yeah. That was good. Um, along those lines, I like, um, it's actually a continuity issue, but when Steve is eating the banana in the break room and they're trying to, um, you know, decode mm-hmm. the message at first. Uh, I mean, the first issue is that he finishes his banana and just throws it on the table, <laughs> like half eaten banana and peel. And he just throws it right on the table. He's done. But there's all kinds of continuity issues. Cause in one, you know, in one shot, he's got the banana in his hand. Next shot, it's on the table. Next shot, it's back in his hand. But I mean, I'm not worried oh, about that, but yeah. I, I, I got a kick out of the fact that he finished his banana. Just, just threw it on the table. Didn't even look the for table, a trash so. can. The odd kind of goofy thing that I found was when Karen was going to talk to Billy the first time when she asked um, the woman to watch Holly. So she goes into that gated area and there's a sign mm-hmm. that says danger chemical storage, mm-hmm. but the sign is facing in where the chemical storage is. So you would know that there's chemical storage <laughs> in there. It should yeah. be on the other side for people. So kids in. aren't like busting yeah. into that ca- like that cage or whatever. So I thought that was, that was kind of an odd little thing. Uh, we haven't talked yet about Stacy um, who makes her return in this episode and gets Ugh orange julius splattered all over her so that's the same girl well she deserves it that turned down dustin at the snowball so she's back and then i could get into this forever and ever um but in the hawkins post issue that the mayor is reading down at the bottom kind of below the fold is a um, news story that says 39 still in beirut awaiting release and this is referring back to the hijacking of TWA Flight 847, which was such a huge thing in 1985. It was the summer of 1985. I was just, I just remember that story. And as soon as I saw that article, I'm like, oh my God, that that's because it was, it was right at the same time. It was, it's the, the famous shot um, of it was um, of the pilot kind of in the cockpit when the plane had landed um, and the um, terrorist was holding the gun up to the pilot's head. He was kind of leaning out the window. It's such a famous thing. I'll, I'll, I'll put all kinds of stuff about this on the um, up on our socials and stuff because it was just it was such a fascinating story at the time, um, and kind of dominated the news for like it was like three or four weeks. It was a, this huge ordeal. It was a hijacking and then became a hostage thing, and it was just it was yeah. all over the place. So, but I'll put some things up. So it's not really a little thing, but it's kind of a little thing because it was just kind of I mean just I'm, in I'm sure there 99.9% of the people who saw the episode didn't even see that um, but I just happened to freeze it just to see what was on the newspaper mm-hmm. um, and I happened to notice it so so there you go so I think that's all I had for little things yeah so you ready for your superlatives we gotta do some music oh I forgot you don't mess around with Jim comes back so we won't mention that again but it does come back um, so the first real song we had was Get Up and Go by the Go-Go's. Uh, this was when Nancy and Jonathan um, go off to meet Mrs. Driscoll. It came out in July of 1982. And this song only reached number 50 for the Go-Go's. Now Hall of Fame, Rock and Roll Hall of Famer Go-Go's. Yay, Go-Go's. Uh, then the next song is My Bologna, or My Bologna, however you want to say it, by Weird Al Yankovic. Love that album. This was actually kind of the song that made him who he was. It came out, uh, he recorded it himself when he, back when he was a DJ in 1979. 
he went across the hall into the bathroom because it had such good acoustics and he recorded himself singing my Bologna with his accordion sent it to dr demento who was like wildly popular at the time mm-hmm. um who liked it and then eventually um weird al re-recorded it in may of 1983 and it was kind of the one it was kind of the song that you know is obviously a riff on my sharona that kind of put him on the map so that was kind of the song that launched weird al so there you go someone who didn't need launching however was madonna uh, whose material girl we already mentioned makes an appearance This song uh, came out in November of 1984, reached number two, um, and of course, famously gave Madonna her nickname that she still has to this day, being called the Material Girl. And she famously said, you know, had she known that was going to happen, she would have never even recorded the song, but, you know. It's the first Madonna song I remember liking. Like, I remember loving her, that song. So interesting bit of trivia on this one. I mentioned it. It only reached number two. It was held out of the number one spot by the song from last week's episode. Can't fight this feeling by Aria Speedwagon. Oh, I do love me some Speedwagon. Yeah. So a little bit. I would choose Speedwagon over Madonna. (laughs) I would too, actually. Like One Lonely Night too. One Lonely Night is a good song on the same album. Uh, Okay. Next song is Cold as Ice by Foreigner. when mike gets his ass dumped i love it came out in july of 1977 reached all the way uh went all the way up to number six for a foreigner this is the foreigner's second appearance uh in our podcast after waiting for a girl like you which was the song that played when nancy lost her virginity to young steve way back in episode two that you didn't think she did i know i've come around on it And then the last song I just I just had to mention is the Daisy Bell song, which the little electric horsey is playing. This, uh, or you know, it's also known as Bicycle Built for Two. Um, this came out in 1892, went all the way to number one on the Billboard chart. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> this is the old classic um, Daisy Bell, Bicycle Built for Two. Interesting thing about this one: this was the first song um, in 1961 that was um, synthesized through a computer. So the IBM 7094 computer back in 1961 took this song and made it computerized. It was the first time a kind of a voice or music was synthesized using a computer. Huh. I will post a link. Interesting. Yeah. That does it for music. So we're on to superlatives. So my best line this week is actually not a line so much as it is. David Harbour just singing when he's in the car. He's so happy that he's told that his plan worked for Mike. That was very good. Mine's not really a line either. It's more of a scene. It's when Steve and Dustin reunited Scoops Ahoy. Henderson. <laughs> Henderson. He's back. He's back. I'm back. You got the job. You got the job. Oh. How many children are you friends with? Okay. Most spirited. I went with Karen at the pool. I went with Karen at her heels because that bathing suit had a belt on it. Is that an 80s thing? I mean, I don't really remember moms getting dressed up like that and going to the pool. I never went to a neighborhood pool like that as a kid. So I don't know. I mean, I did. I was there every day at the pool, but I don't remember moms getting all fancy and dressed. I mean, most moms just sat there in clothes because they weren't swimming. What? Yeah, the moms would just take the kids or, you know, the kids they didn't want to like get a tan. And most more times than not, it was just the kids at the pool. I mean, it wasn't, I mean, there weren't any, you know, parents there really. So anyway, mm. uh, my most spirited was uh, Hopper smoking in the restaurant. <laughs> I almost just, went with that. Yeah. It's just so funny to like see people smoking in a restaurant and he's like the only one smoking. I was like looking around. I was, like, I was too. Yeah. I was looking for an ashtray. Yeah, <laughs> that too. There wasn't one <laughs> that <laughs> I could find. He uses the wine glass or he drinks the scotch and then. Yeah. Scotch class, so. yeah. Um, okay. Most stranger thing. 
I went with Heather at the end screaming because it, it gave me chills just like to be tied up and you can't get away. And there's some creature that you have no, it's horrifying. You don't know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's going to kill you. You mean unnamed lifeguard number one. <laughs> yes. Not Heather. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I couldn't go, I couldn't decide between the, the rat goo scurrying across the floor mm-hmm. or the Karen bonk um against the shelf I, I think i went with the rat scurrying but the karen bonk thing stuck with me even when the season was over i remembered that scene yeah me getting, too getting bonked in the head so okay mvp let's wrap it up i went with robin buckley she's just amazing everything she does i agree i went with baker montgomery billy to those of us I just, he was, I mean, if you just sit and look at this scene and, you know, this episode, it's kind of like what Will, you know, why I like Noah Schnapp's performance so much. It's what he does with this character. Because, you know, at some points he's playing two different characters. He's kind of playing, oh, yeah. you know, at the, especially in that first scene when, you know, after the 911 call, when he's facing off against himself. I know. Um, but just the, I mean, and it, and it must have been like kind of miserable to have to be like that all sweaty and... And have he was to, real gross. Yeah, okay. I mean, you know, so you're dealing with that and not feeling great anyway, and and people are spraying sweat all over you and everything. So, but I thought I thought he did a great job. So he did. Daker, Daker got my vote. Awesome. All right, guys, that does it for this week. If you want to submit your own superlatives or just shoot us an email, you always can at scoopsahoypod at gmail.com. You can always find us on the socials at Scoops Hoy Pod. Colin posts links to a lot of the stuff that we talk about. So that's a great way to get a visual of the things we mentioned in each episode. So next week we will be discussing chapter three, Case of the Missing Lifeguard. So I want to thank everybody for listening and I hope you tune in next time. Thanks guys. Bye. Bye. Stranger Things audio clips and official score are the property of Netflix. Incidental music by Blue Mount Score from Pixabay.